0: Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Look at that. Um, We have
1: a slightly different setup if you're watching on video.
0: Yes, Alex looks so relaxed.
1: I, I just I said to Aaron when we were sat here. One, it feels like, and again, if you're listening on podcast, you can't even see this, but I can stretch my legs out all the way in front of me, like super. Feels like being first class on an airliner or something like that. And 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 yet it also feels dangerous because I feel like I could just say anything. I'm like, I could get us both fired.
0: <laughs> Alex is so relaxed. You'll get what he actually thinks about everything now. Because all the other podcast episodes have been so measured. <laughs> <laughs> and we're so cautious yeah, with yeah, our yeah. words. Um, so, I, the, the question I have for you, Alex, right off the, the bat is when was the last time someone supplicated you for
1: something? <laughs> I get supplicated a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> really?
1: It's a yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, so Can set... I have
1: more vacation? Can I have. <laughs> so
0: so on sunday alex committed to the s's <laughs> in his list of you know his sort of outline for the for the message and, and i if,
1: never do that like i'm so far from an, an alliterative an alliterative pastor
0: alliteration yeah so uh one of them was like subjugate uh, and subjugate and supplicate, su- subjugate and supplicate supplication um uh, well done well done well it just I, uh,
1: it got complicated quickly it went from slap to um on, what was the second one slap to wow this is how well i remember my own sermon and um, clearly is my s's were not a good memory
0: device <laughs> so um, uh today we're going to talk about lawsuits right uh-huh and uh eyes being gouged out yeah and other such things
1: yeah, and and I'm also doing it drinking coffee, which is you rebel. yeah in a podcast entitled "Guys Drinking Tea." And the reason for that is we're actually planning a rebrand. Um, and I said, "Well, now I get to drink whatever I want." Um,
0: which I rebelled and argued against, and
1: argued against. Uh, and I'm you, drinking would, tea you would because feel I'm like a purist. I was the one that was would would be championing tea, but. In this case, it's you. I did it because I had not had any coffee this morning.
0: Um, yeah, I see that. And
1: so it felt like, yeah, I need some coffee. So, um, yeah. anyway, we are, but we are planning a rebrand. We have a different location to move to and we have some different set stuff. And
0: yeah. And so a couple of things with that. Why, why are we rebranding? <laughs> if you've been watching since the beginning or listening since the beginning, you'll recognize that a podcast entitled Guys is Drinking Tea that had. Uh, highly esteemed guests that were women just made it a little weird yeah. and it just wasn't fully
1: accurate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> much of the time, it just was not true. Yeah, uh, although we time, were always drinking tea, we were all dr- drinking tea, and well, except for that time, Yvonne didn't drink tea either. Mm. And but I i bashed her for that, so uh. we fine. <laughs> um but anyway, so we just thought uh, it just didn't make quite as much sense as we, it could. And uh, we're going to change location just for simplicity and logistics. It's nothing about like, that's not a
1: theme. We didn't leave issue. the church.
0: Um, and uh, we just wanted to uh, create some opportunities to go a little bit, not that we're going deeper, but maybe uh, expand the audience of this to the congregation. We might bring in some q and Oh, yeah. And well, that's the plan, elements. right? Yeah. Uh, so that you could actually send some of your questions in during the sermon mm-hmm. and then hear our random musings So about that just questions. means the guy
1: that just forgot his four points from Sunday now has to remember to say, hey, send in some questions on Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. So, this anyway, that's what's like a, going on. This like a sane plan for a sensible future. I like it.
0: So you can look for that in a few weeks. And for those of you who are on audio only, you won't see any difference, but hopefully you'll... You'll hear a slightly different introduction, and maybe you'll get to interact with us in a slightly different way.
1: In yeah, the so. so that'll be fun. Um, so this week we are, we are, well, we started this week with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 9a. Um, and, and it was a middle section of a passage that we'd done the week before. We went back to it it's a weird passage because it sits in amongst all of this language around sexual ethics
0: that's not the right thing that's not the
1: right thing um what in the world just happened i don't know is this where we find out we're not
0: actually recording passage of scripture there you go there we go there's the bible
1: um uh, uh and so yeah you, you feel free to turn to it but but it's a passage where paul's talking about inter-church relationship he's talked about sexual ethics now he's talking about something that seems on the surface very different. He's talking about lawsuits. Uh, and, and Corinth was this city, big city, apparently a propensity in the residents to sue each other for all sorts of manner of things, um, which we have today. Uh, bizarrely, in another way, Corinth is just like modern society. I was driving back from the mountains the other day and there's all these billboards that say, if someone ran in to, skied into you, sue them. We can make sure that you get all of the money, all of the things um, and sometimes those lawsuits are necessary. I don't know if you've been following in the. Have you been following this Alex Jones Sandy Hook story in the news? Um, um, no, I haven't. So Alex Jones is a uh, a fairly controversial talk show host, and he was a guy that said he felt like Sandy Hook the the shooting uh, in the school was there was something fake about it, and it became this big thing that he constantly pushed.
0: I've heard about that. Um,
1: yeah, and. Um, he ended up. They, they said that he had to pay nearly a billion dollars to the families, um, for the comments he made, which I mean is an incredible sum of money. It Basically, seems the court's plan is I'm going, we're going to bankrupt him for life. Um, now, now that's a lawsuit that you actually might look at and say that seems like a fairly reasonable lawsuit. Like that that seems. And then there's others that are um, that are that are maybe less needed, less purposeful. Uh, and 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 then this propensity that paul pulls out for christians to do it and 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 what i find weird about this is like i i just wonder with with christians like some of our interactions with each other oh i could totally see christians doing this I, i remember the first car crash i ever got into someone reversed into me and my car was just sat on the side of the road and and i was 19 at the time working in the first church i ever worked at i went back to the the staff and the, the youth pastor was there, and he said, what happened? I said, "Was well, someone just reversed into my car. He said, oh, it's all right. The, the insurance will pay for it. Like they'll, It's obviously their fault. You know, they'll be, they'll be willing to admit to that. And I said, yeah, and they've got a, a fish thing on the back of their car, so I think they're Christians, which is good. And he looked at me with his face of horror. He was like, oh, there'll be a lawsuit then. Like, there's no way they're going to acknowledge it was their fault. And it just spoke to some of his history working with Christians for years. Um, yeah, it made me chuckle.
0: Isn't that weird? I, I, so uh, it may be slightly in the same vein. I have we you and I casually made this observation in the hallway, and you sort of hinted at it in the message. But so last week's episode was on sexual mm-hmm. ethics, and we we talked about that, um and we wrestled with a, a bunch of random challenges when it comes to the church and Jesus's way with that subject. But you made a comment to me this week, and hinted at it in the message that last week was a harder subject to talk about in the sense that like it seems like a hot button issue there's more heated emotions around where a church should or shouldn't stand on Mm -hmm. that issue yeah and on and on and on and yet this week uh the subject of like uh preferring the other person or just like taking the blow on the mm-hmm. cheek and sucking it up for the sake yeah. of relationship and community and all it's it this one's actually more demanding on your everyday life
1: it is yeah and
0: and and what's and it, up with that why is one more like we care a lot about this theoretical thing that almost never affects us mm-hmm. we care more about that than one that should affect us every day which is like about caring for each other and like yeah. being nice
1: well, 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 like, like, it, so it seems to me like a big blanket term for all of these things is generosity. Not, not, like, yeah, macro level generosity is not something I, I find lots of Christians to be good at, and I would say myself included at times.
0: Is like, it because they're Christian? I, what's up with that?
1: So, so I, I, I have this distinct memory of having two groups of friends when I was about twenty, a group of friends I worked with. Um, and a group of friends I went to church with. And I would go out for meals with both of them, and we'd come to the end of the night, and the guy would bring the bill for the table, which was usually 12 to 14 people. And we'd all put our money into the middle. And every time I went with Christians, we were short. And every time I went with people that weren't Christians, the tip was like ridiculous. Yeah. You were like, oh my goodness! Like, how did we end up with like a twenty-five percent tip in a yeah. culture that doesn't do twenty percent tips anyway? It, so uh, that was problematic to me. Uh, you could see all of these people that were like, you know, in my Christian group, and maybe it was just that group. So, maybe, so we anecdotes aren't blanket truths, right? But, but that was my experience anyway of of watching this group of people that were arguing. Well, I only had one papa dumb, I shouldn't have to pay for two. And you're like, oh, 75 pence. Like,
0: is this really? Can you talk American, please?
1: A 75 cents.
0: Do you not use pence? Do you not use pence? pence? No. Do you, you
1: not, do you not use a penny?
0: Pence?
1: Is a penny? What's a penny? Cents. No, but a penny. is. Do you have a penny here?
0: Yes, yeah. we do. So, we don't call pence, pence is a
1: plural of penny.
0: <laughs> so, 75
1: pennies. Okay, now we're on the same page um yeah. that's my life
0: just <laughs> how long have you lived const- in america 10 years yeah
1: 10 years and i don't I just get you barely have you
0: beat Ten, <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um
1: you do so much better at acclimatizing so so it was pro- problematic to me that we would see that i would see this discrepancy um totally now obviously it obviously wasn't me that was the discrepancy fortunately okay because, so
0: so conclusion yeah uh so ge- the generous Jesus makes worse people the gospel or Christianity are Christians are worse people than non Christians. I, I, I would no, I think my wrong?
1: conclusion would be that following Jesus is a challenge and we tend to focus on certain ethics of Jesus and the risk is we miss certain others. So so I would say to take those two groups, I had one group that was really careless with their sex life and really careful with their generosity and another group that was really careful with their, their, their sex life and really careless with their generosity. Um, which is fascinating. Like that there was, there was no Mm. other ethic for this other group, particularly to fall back on other than like, we were generous people. Like they, they took pride, I think in being generous people. Um, I I think that, that, the Christian ethic can so often be boiled down to, even if it's not something we'd explicitly state, we end up having an ethic of not doing bad things. Um,
0: and the bad things are a very small list of things that we picked up somehow all yes. the way in our yeah. Christian heritage, specifically around sexual ethics, probably the kinds of liquids you consume. Mm-hmm.
1: Depending on where when and where you grew up, hair length, skirt length, all those different things. You know, I I was in church in a while in the Midwest where they still do the thing where they would like one of my friends that was a youth pastor, when girls would go on trips, he would like they would wear tank tops and he would take his three fingers and he'd measure the tank top like the, the the shoulder part and if it wasn't wider than his three fingers, they had to go change um like so, so we're we're very good at not doing certain
0: things Security culture yeah all that but
1: stuff. but we're, we become less good sometimes at some of the other things and that's why i think jesus tweak on the law where he says all the law is summed up in these two things love god with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself suddenly makes all the law much harder to obey than do not murder do not steal do not like the suddenly a prescriptive do. Um, yes,
0: I totally agree. I think that so. So, can we, like, in the course of this conversation, can we like wiggle our way into what is going on there? What is it about a lot of Christian experiences, um, that cause people to be so hyper focused on very isolated moral things, but we meanwhile, their character like if you ask other people, oh yeah, that person's a jerk, but they're like- Super religious. Super religious. Yeah. And it is, where's the risk there? Is, I still feel like it's it's scarily close to home. Yeah. To to feel comfortable with, but what's going up with that and how do we prevent us from being the kind of community that is inclined towards that? And, And I
1: think for me, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I don't know what you think about this, but one- How to phrase this. I think that we as Christians tend to obsess with the what and not the how at times. So we obsess with like what we're doing and not how we're doing it. Um, When we interact with people, we obsess with what we're saying and not how we're saying it. Uh, and how how that extends into this conversation for me is is that we we tend to feel somewhere we're called to defend our religion and defend our beliefs in the world around us and so we're going to try and do that in a way that's accurate and yet we forget that you can lose people in a conversation just by how you say things Uh, barbara taylor uh, this author said uh fascinating quote she said human beings are never as harmful as when they believe that they are defending God. Um, Wow. Which, which is fascinating. And I'm maybe not getting it quite verbatim, but that's like the force of it. Like there's something about believing you are defending the divine that can turn you into someone who's not a healthy person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, so on one hand, like that, that's, to me part of it like our interactions with society are sometimes colored by this prickliness of I've got to defend and and anything that pushes up against our belief becomes really problematic uh, and actually you know pulls the worst out of us yeah um and then i think i think for the other part like specific to the conversation we just had and, and perhaps specific to to Paul's conversation around lawsuits where he says isn't it better to be cheated like paul would seem to say when i was at the table with my christian friends isn't it better that you paid 30 bucks instead of 20? Like, isn't that a better outcome? Uh, And for whatever reason, like honesty, fairness, all of these other good qualities dominate at that table. And and no, I didn't eat two Papa Dumps for 75 cents. Um, I'm not paying for that. Like support would seem to say better to be cheated. Like better to come out the bad at the wrong end of the deal. Better for someone to walk away with your car for a little bit less than you wanted to get for it. Yeah. and for it to be honest than than the other way around um which is is fascinating and to me yes so connected to Jesus expectation of unfair relationships
0: I I think that some of what's going on is uh a lot of a lot of religious frameworks are it's a framework to try and determine whether you're going to be okay with the divine, mm-hmm. like if you follow this set of of systems and rules and regulations, mm-hmm. I mean this is classic religion, regardless of the religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they all different theories on what that list mm-hmm. is. Some of them share some common factors, but it's like if I do these things, then I'm okay. I'm safe. Yes, my eternal destination, my all these things are safe, and so. The stakes feel really high. And There's mm-hmm. an emotional fear factor. Yeah. So if I get the list wrong and I get the actions wrong, then my eternal state and my well being, my safety. So it almost triggers a fight or flight response. Yeah. The protectiveness of our belief systems. Because if I get my beliefs wrong, I'm my my well being is at danger. Yeah. And my family and any person I teach at this thing yeah. is in danger. Um That's antithetical to the to the Christian gospel though. Yeah. And but it wiggles its way into Christianity over and over and over over again because we have this like, I want to get to the good place and stay avoid the bad place. And meanwhile, the gospel says by grace, through faith, it's a gift of God. Mm -hmm. Done. That issue's off the table. Yeah. And yet it's because we're so like obsessed with controlling outcomes. Uh We want to say, I did this, this, and this, even though like, I, maybe if you ask me the gospel, I might say the right things, but I feel like I still need to get the right list down.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's
0: it, emotionally charged because it's literally, it's fear driven. It's like, it's fight or flight response. Like, yes. I've got to get this right.
1: Yeah. And, and that list becomes like, it becomes complex. It becomes dominating, as you say. And I, I, I often like in that same time of life, I had some friends in church that were business owners. And, and it was horrifying to me that at times I would hear people say things like, I would never hire someone from church. Not because I, I always felt that way or because of the relationship, but because I've done it before and repeatedly they showed themselves to be lazy, not hard workers. Hmm. And I, I'm like just fascinated by why, in the, at least in that specific environment, it, it, that didn't trigger the opposite their faith didn't trigger the opposite of that. I mean, I, and this is going to sound like a real, a real brag on my point. I remember, I I adopted this ethic as a twenty-year-old, I just worked really hard. Like, and maybe even too hard. Maybe my conscience was too, like, too well refined. Uh, but I remember once I was lifeguarding, and and the pool was empty, no one was swimming. So I just decided I was going to clean out the swimming teachers. Uh, they had this big walk-in closet that they kept all that stuff. So I pulled everything out, tidied it, put it all back in places, uh, clean the floor, like with detergent and everything. And, and I remember one of the swim teachers going to the manager and saying, this is the first time a lifeguard has ever done anything for me without asking in the 20 years I've worked here. Um, and, and she didn't mention my name and but then but then he came to me and he said well I said to her it was only going to be Alex wasn't it and and I was like okay something about my ethic right now is catching hold of him as valuable like now I have to leave him to put two and two together and see that Jesus is the driving force of that ethic Jesus is the the driving force in how I treat people Um, and whether he ever did or not is up for debate but but somewhere there's certainly circumstances where the opposite is true and and it's just fascinating to me how this works. Like, totally in 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 Paul's mind, in this passage, following Jesus has not yet made them different people. Like, yes. and, and, and and repeatedly in Corinthians, is like you're just like everybody else.
0: Like, yes. over, you're and, just over like and over and like he deeply cares uh, that they be transformed to, di- at, to deeper levels of character. Uh huh. Not. Theological absolutely. mental sense,
1: absolutely, and that's what we'll get to this week. Like as, as as a little taster, this week we get to their sense of I know more stuff, and he says to them, um, "Knowledge knowledge puffs up, but love builds up." Um, and, and there's actually this beautiful and I can't remember what his phrase is specifically in most of our English Bibles, but an early church father translates it as the one who loves really knows, which is just like, oh, yeah, like he's not interested in knowledge for the sake as, as, a, as a testament of growth mm. um, to him. Character is what de- determines growth. Your ability to love other people is what determines growth. Uh, and so, so like, all the way through this letter, he's like, there, ah, enough with the knowledge. And, and, and isn't that our, our obsession? Like, we go to seminary, and, and if we're not careful, like, we just get more and more knowledge. Like, I remember I joked with you the other day, like, right now, because you, you, you went back to do some studying. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're officially now a first-year grad student, which is weird, which is, like, <laughs> the one category I always joke, I would never hire a first-year grad student. <laughs> um
0: am i getting fired on the podcast
1: so 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 my get out is always i specified that was for youth ministry um that's funny but but and you are so different because you're going back at this later time of life because you're old um you're going back at this later time of life you're older (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) to, to to study but Repeatedly, you would come across first year grad students that believe they could solve the world's problems by getting people to read Augustine or Calvin. Um, like, like also, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> students will be fine if we could just get them to, to understand you know, certain knowledge pieces. And, and over and over again, you're like, no, that's just not the heartbeat of the New Testament.
0: So a couple observations uh, right off the bat. One, one of the unique parts about... so we've, we've just made a, a sort of horrible case for Christianity. So like there's this book called. Case
1: actually, no, Christians. I just, actually what, what I did is I said, I was awesome, which is even worse.
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah, Christians are the worst. <laughs> Except um, for me. You should, you should not do that unless you're Alex and then, and then you're awesome. Um,
1: See, I told you this I, new chair system was a bad you know, idea. I
0: actually, I actually have a similar story, but I'm not going to share it because now, now we've outed it as a bad idea. Um, no, uh, But one of the unique factors about Christianity is here we are both professing Christians who not only professing Christians, like we've given our life Mm -hmm. to the vocation of shepherding a congregation in the Christian faith, trying to teach people Christianity and the way of Jesus, all this stuff. From within, we're critiquing it really hard. Mm -hmm. That's a unique element of a kingdom kind of, and a Jesus-y kind of thing. The fact that Christians can without fear and trepidation critique within from within it's also a unique element about the scriptures that we profess wow, to follow yeah. the scriptures are constantly self-critiquing yes in scary terrifying ways yeah if
1: you if you are uncomfortable with scripture that can get uncomfortable then Prepare to be uncomfortable. Yeah, like
0: like the scriptures are constantly saying things. You're like, oh goodness, I can't believe they said that, or yeah. saying something and then almost unsaying it. Yeah, or correcting it slightly in some ways. And Jesus was the number one uh, proponent of this. Yes, of that. And then the the other observation I wanted to make was this whole conversation is not new at all. In fact, it's almost identical to what Jesus preached about most of the time. Yes. So when he shows up on the scene. He shows up in this highly religious thing, and mm-hmm. they they have their list. Mm-hmm. It's different than ours as, mm-hmm. as Christians in the in a modern Western society, but they had their list, and they were like, we're just going to try and be pure. We're going to try and get sexual purity right, yeah. moral purity right. We're going to try and make sure our tithing laws and, are and, all tidy and, for, and neat. For
1: a whole group of them, with the good goal in, in some ways of like, God will act when we show a serious.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, they're trying their best yeah. to, to take... They're trying to take their faith seriously. Yes. Yeah, period. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and we, we tend to read that a bit anachronistically as they were trying to be good so they could go to heaven when they died, which wasn't particularly a very Jewish idea.
0: Yeah, it's not um, totally.
1: You know, the, the the covenant was bigger than the law still in that respect. But, but certainly there's a group of people that have very distinct practices and almost like there's a chance that some people are just like roadkill in their journey onwards like we're going to run over a bunch of people we're going to steamroll them like we're going to cast them out if they don't look clean enough we're going to make sure no there's a there's a remnant there's an enclave that usher in the kingdom yeah yeah Uh, and it's and it's looking pretty unhealthy even if it had a reasonable goal to begin with yeah
0: it's like i mean there's a a fascinating history lesson that we could offer you on like the maccabean revolt and like this pursuit of purity mm-hmm. and, and clarity and let's actually try and obey god yeah. and the law so there's a lot of good things that started there but i just want to point out like when jesus shows up on the scene who is the only group of people that he's constantly just oh, uh, on? one it's the religious people yes yeah it's, it's
1: interesting that outside outside of religious leaders jesus never criticizes anyone for not being spiritual enough isn't which is fascinating. fascinating. Like he, he not, now he leads them deeper into spirituality. He leads them into genuine transformation, but he doesn't go around saying, no, no, no you need to be more spiritual. It's fascinating. Like and this, Jesus
0: has this ability to say, like when he's asked, cause like, again, we've talked about this a couple times on this podcast. It's no wonder they killed him, right? Um, mm. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Over and over and over again. He, he, they're like, you're trying to abolish the law. He's like, no, I think it's good. And yet, you guys are missing the point character Mm -hmm. transformation internally to Mm -hmm. becoming a better human being is the point of the law. And so
1: specifically what we talked about this week was, um, Paul's ethic of, wouldn't it be better to be cheated? For me, the most logical place and others might disagree. You might have another ethic of Jesus that you think seems to drive that. But for me, the, the ethic that seems to drive it is Jesus comment. You have heard it said an eye for an eye. Uh, but I tell you, do not resist the evil person. Now, this is the tension Aaron's been getting at. Like, who said an eye for an eye? It's the Bible. The Bible said an eye for an eye.
0: Specifically in their commandments, they're so told. Jesus contradicts the Bible.
1: Th- that That's the challenge, right? And so, so Jesus is so comfortable with saying, you were told this for a period. I'm bringing you something new. So, so, so this, this is like, this is the beauty of God's revelation. It seems within the Bible, like it's the same with this conversation that I think we got into a few weeks ago around divorce, um, when he, when he says, you know, uh, I I told you, I think we talked about it in the sexuality week, where he says, for a season, Moses gave you this for your hard hearts, but now I'm leading you into something closer. So the graciousness that Jesus is about to bring us. Is a better picture of what God is like, uh, and and there's this guy that, that that I love who who says something like this. He says like, um, God God looks like Jesus. He has always looked like Jesus. He will never not look like Jesus. Like the the character, the the focus on love that you see in Jesus, the the grace that you see from Jesus, God has always been like that. It's not that he wasn't like that in the Old Testament and has now miraculously become like that. Yeah. It's not that, that in the Old Testament he was always angry and now he's not. That's some of our understanding of it. Yeah, it's like it's, this is a slow revelation of, no, this is this is what God looks like.
0: And there's some pithy ways of saying that. You said you have a friend that said that, but there's the scriptures actually teach that pretty explicitly. Yeah. John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1. There's these moments where it says, like, he is the exact imprint. Exactly. Um, or the express the image, image of the invisible of the God. Invisible, yeah. So the scriptures are trying to say, like, hey, if you want to know what God's like, just look at Jesus. Yes. And if, if, if you're reading a passage and it doesn't feel like that, you're reading it wrong. Yeah. Like, let the Christ- Christocentric reading of the uh-huh. text inform and cause you to keep digging and pursuing and questioning and asking until... You can reconcile a God who doesn't kill his enemies, but dies for his enemies. Mm-hmm. A God who uh, pursues love and justice for everyone in, in, in ways that are just profound and powerful. Yeah, uh, totally.
1: So so the, 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 this is, again, the beauty of Jesus, his ability to take a passage that is central to so much of what is practiced and believed. So you can picture a whole bunch of Pharisees saying to each other, guys, we've got to get back to eye for an eye. Like, we've not been doing the thing where we're taking an eye when someone else has lost an eye. Like, let's physically start taking the eye. Like, we're not doing the thing where we're actually stoning people for adultery. Let's get back to the stoning. Um, And and Jesus is is pushing in a different direction, um, which is fascinating.
0: So I have a crazy uh, question for you about... Um, scripture interpretation, maybe a historical observation. I don't know. Just tell me what you think on this. Do you think that possibly God is not just leading individuals into deeper and deeper expressions of what he longs for for the human race? He's actually shepherding the nations gradually throughout history. Is there a progressive nature to his shepherding plan? So, for example... Um, this let's just take this text eye for an eye and tooth for tooth in in its day when that law was first penned mm-hmm. it was a massive in it leap forward mm-hmm. socially mm-hmm. because it in that day and age it was like you know if someone harmed you it was a offense on you as a person you could just murder them yeah, like yeah they yeah. they like insult you you could go to murder mm-hmm. and so eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was like, okay, that's way too far. Let's rein it into at least one for one.
1: Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And like, could it be that God said, humanity's ready for this level, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to reign him in here. Mm-hmm. And then later on throughout time, he starts all throughout the prophecy. He starts hinting. Yeah. I don't even really want sacrifices. Mm. Then why did you institute them anyway? Well, you needed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. on this journey of, of shepherding the nations into deeper and deeper expressions of what it means to be a, a kingdom person. And then Jesus shows up and says, all right, let's unfold the yes. whole plan.
1: Well, well, I think, I think it's fascinating that even, even on a sociological level amongst atheists there's a conversation around if you get rid of christianity does the whole world ethic fall down like that that the so much of our specifically western society our western views on democracy uh, and the attractiveness of that to the rest of the world that slow like desire for it is distinctly built on christian ethics so the question for atheists is: Can you pull those ethics and say there is no basis for them? We, we the basis as Christians is God gave us those those ethics, and nations should follow them. What happens if you say there was no God to give them? Like, do they still stand up? Do they just does the whole thing just fall on itself? Yeah. Um, so so the, like even just on a sociological and a staunch level, the
0: atheist is like, of course it's going to stand up by itself because.
1: But there's some atheists that are like we don't know. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, like the, there's like a real like, huh? what happens why do some of these rules exist if 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 there is no god like why can't the strongest just do what they want um, like like y- you can go so far down that rabbit trail of like y- why pick the side of the cancer over the person the, uh,
0: yeah. like there is there yeah you there's a massive problem when it comes to a purely materialistic uh, observation of the world like uh, darwinian evolution is directly in conflict with being nice to other people. yes
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i i am gonna get further if i trample people along the yeah, way it's
0: survival of the fittest yeah like if you're strongest yeah. you're supposed to kill destroy and uh-huh. make your space safer
1: yeah. so so in that case put down the pot turn off the podcast <laughs> go work out go make yourself stronger
0: and make sure that and, you're safe and uh-huh. you get as much food and you can procreate as much as you possibly can that's the end game yeah if so, you just take that as a an, an isolated thing then sociologists have to come in and say well yeah but we're a complex uh social creature and it's no longer socially acceptable but why mm-hmm. why why there why, is why, no why. why and the there, why there and no eventually why. comes to like yeah we don't really know
1: yeah we we should do it because it'll be better for everyone but what about if it's not like what about if your good as an individual does conflict well, suddenly you don't matter anymore. Like, so we get rid of Aaron because it's better for the whole, like potentially. Like, I mean, you, you when you start to get down some of those theories, like if you have an overpopulation problem, you just say, well, once people get to 70, we just cut you off. Like you've had your time. You've been part of the social had order. A good run. Yeah. You had, you had what was fair. Move on. Uh, like so, so it gets very complicated. So, so that that's the pure atheist sociological understanding. Like it seems like something has to undergird the ethics, um, otherwise you can get into problems.
0: And in fairness, all those uh, all those people would would still hold to some sort of strong moral yes. thing. The, the foundation of it is very nebulous. Yes, why? absolutely. Yeah, they, yeah. That's when it starts to fall apart is the why they care yes. about certain moral values.
1: And the moment that you don't want it anymore, just drop it. Yeah. Um, which yeah, is is not the Christian ethic. So so I think, yes, you see the shepherding of of at least what's right. You know, whether that's the introduction of something like habeas corpus. Um, and the fact that the, the strongest or the rulers can't just lock people up and throw them, throw away the key. I like, know there's a process that's supposed to be gone through all those different things, whether that's the development of, of fair, as you talked about, fair restitution for, for an injury. Now there's a whole bunch of questions that I think that would lead us to. So, so is the death penalty diametrically opposed to Jesus? Like, and this is what we tap into when we start to get to this comment. like, Is Jesus giving societal instructions for governments or is he giving personal ethics for individuals? Uh, and I would be comfortable saying that I don't believe in the death penalty because I follow Jesus. But I'm not saying that you couldn't think opposite. Like to me, my understanding is the what we're told that blessed are the merciful. Um, So to me, there's an aspect of that ethic that says, yeah, I'm not on board with the death penalty. Um, But a whole bunch of rabbit trails are, is life imprisonment without parole, as it looks today, a better solution? Uh, so it get that gets super complicated. Yeah.
0: And but. and then you get to the place where you basically say, I just really wish the Bible wasn't sixty-six books, but it was like two thousand six hundred and sixty-six <laughs> books. Because there's just too many issues where we wish there was an explicit command. Because again, as as human beings, we desperately just want the answer. Yeah. We want absolutely. binary systems. Just tell us mm-hmm. what to do.
1: Yeah, and 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 the yeah. the the cynical view of it becomes like take a question around sexuality the other week. Mm-hmm. Jesus, could you not have mentioned homosexuality once? Could, could there not have been one time where you actually directly referenced it, just to clear up any any questions? Now the question becomes whether it would ever really cleared up everything. Like there's always different readings. So so that's yeah, yeah the totally. the beautiful thing of of base ethics like the one we're in today, which is Jesus says on an individual level, I don't say eye for an eye. Uh, as you've heard it said before, I say, do not resist an evil person. And we kind of gasp and say, Jesus, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean for the person who's in an abusive relationship? Yeah. What does that mean for the person who's like for the elderly person who's, um, been taken advantage of of by younger family members or by people that she doesn't, that she, he or she doesn't even know. Um, what does that mean when I'm trying to buy a car? What does that mean when I'm trying to sell a car? What does that mean when, in all of these different scenarios? What does that mean when I'm doing my taxes? Like, where does the ethic go? Uh, and how do we make it make sense? What does society look like if the base ethic is do not resist the evil person? Especially when Spider-Man told us all it takes for evil to survive is for good people to do nothing. Like, what, what, what? That's not in the Bible? I don't think so. I have to read it again, um, but yeah. What, Good job, what do we Spider-Man. do? Yeah, what what do we do? Like, what what is Jesus saying to us? No, I actually want an answer. What oh. does Jesus saying?
0: <laughs> oh, I've got to answer all of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think that that just feels like the complexity of reading the scriptures. Mm. He over and over again, which is just as a side note, this is one of the reasons why personally, when I started wrestling with all these same questions and I I started just staring them more directly in the face because they were like these doubts about why do certain rules, why they're super strong in certain Christian circles and why are these mm. not well at all. I, eventually there was like this cognitive dissonance that like started threatening my face mm-hmm. so much where I was like, I don't know if I can I am struggling to call myself a Christian because a lot of Christians are kind of horrible in certain senses, and there's a lot of history in that. And then, um, but but then the Jesus seems compelling. So during that process, I started to feel to to make the decision. Well, I want to first look at the person of Christ in the Gospels. Mm. And I, so I spent about four years where I just read the Gospels over mm. and over and over again because I was like, I want I want what he wants. Yeah. And I just want to know his personality, his character. I wanted to try and internalize and embody an intuition around some of these complicated issues that stem from the character of Jesus. Um so that might be a starting point in how to figure out some of this, because he he had this nuanced way of of got of leading people through these complicated issues in his day mm-hmm. that we can learn from. When it comes to these complicated issues. And I don't know if I'm answering your question at all.
1: Yeah. yeah, To a degree. I mean, okay. I think we've got more work to do, right? Uh, yeah. So so in, in trying to figure out th- what I find complicated about this is like, so Jesus gives four examples, four pretty cr- concrete examples that would have been very familiar to the listeners of the day, probably not as familiar to us. These are my four S's. Um, so on one hand, he says, when someone comes and slaps you on one cheek, Uh, I want you to turn to them the other cheek. Yeah. Uh, He says, when someone comes to you and demands your jacket from you, sorry, your 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 shirt from you, give them your jacket as well. When someone comes along and asks you to go with them one mile, go with them two miles. And when someone repeatedly comes and borrows from you, keep borrowing without worrying whether you're going to get it back which to me is like, man, I got my like electric law lawn care stuff. I'm like, I'm going to hide it in my shed so no one knows I've got it. I don't want people borrowing it and never giving it back. And books, don't let me get me started on books. I never lend books to people. I would rather buy you another version of the same book <laughs> than lend you a book that I might I not highly get back. I
0: recommend this book you can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so the four concrete examples, yeah, all that are, are centered around when someone either humiliates you or takes advantage of you. Yeah, which is fascinating. So how far to me, like. is too
0: far?
1: Yeah, is there a too far? Is it becomes the question. Like so, so uh, I heard someone say once in a humorous way, um, big guy, follower of Jesus, and he got into this argument with a guy on the street. <laughs> uh, something came, so the guy said to him, uh, "Well, you're a Christian, so you have to turn the other cheek if I hit you." And this guy's, I mean, ginormous, like done boxing, done all these different things. And, and he looks at the guy and says, yeah, but I only have to do it once. So you better make sure the second is a good one. <laughs> Just, is that what Jesus is saying? Is he saying like, turn it once, never turn it again. Um, like, is there a
0: limit? Or is there a 70 times sevenness to this turning the other cheek?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Which is a different context, but yeah. So
1: so so i think what you can end up doing is you can end up reading all of these looking for loopholes um and i think that we we do that a lot with things that jesus says that seem hard
0: yeah and there are like admittedly there are we have an intuition around some loopholes like yeah. let's say and you mentioned it on sunday um what we're not saying is like if you're in an abusive relationship just turn the other cheek mm-hmm. over and over and over again but what's the biblical grounds for us to give that loophole in that situation Mm -hmm. because there are there are people who have stayed in an abusive relationship for far too long because of texts like this Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Yep.
0: Um, and maybe the pressure of a community saying, you know, like he's trying, mm-hmm. it's, you know, he's, oh, he's sorry. Yeah. So let's keep working on it. Yep. And then he's sorry again. And he's sorry again. And before you know it, you have this damaged, broken, painful, abusive relationship that just keeps on getting extended and extended and extended. So why do we think that that's not okay? And that one is a loophole Yeah. versus another one.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think I think it's because we see places in, in the the scriptures where where Jesus and by extension Father, Son, and Spirit do care for the individual who is in a situation that is that is difficult, and yet at the same time, like we think about text, like I think about texts like Hagar in the Old Testament, where God says, "Go back to the relationship." Go back to to Sarah and Abraham who have not treated you well. Somewhere that story is because this is going to lead to the good story for you. And, and so much complexity there. So, so I think that that's why I, th- I feel like in those situations specifically, like having conversations with wise people around it is always an important thing. So So I don't want to take away the possibility that God could ask someone to stay but I also don't want to take away the possibility that someone should feel that someone could feel like they should stay when they should leave. Um, like, and I think that's the, like the it's
0: just way too gray for people to be comfortable yeah, with.
1: Isn't it just, and, and that's the, that's the challenge. I think it, it is, it is great. And that's the challenge of, you know, of ethics in general. I, I heard a guy, I think I use this in a sermon, maybe a year ago or so.
0: Hmm.
1: I had an interview with an Anabaptist guy um, and he was in his seventies. He was in Vietnam um, in his seventies at the time he was interviewed. So probably now, and he's probably 15 years ago, probably now getting close to his nineties, if he's still alive. And he was a conscientious objector because he said, I read this passage and I understood it to mean that when Jesus, I, I, I took away when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he meant it. So I took away that Jesus was a pacifist. It was his takeaway. And so he said that when they tried to draft me, I was a conscientious objector. I said, no. So in, in those days, what they did is they sent you to some horrible assignment, almost as a punishment. He said, so I had to go work in a mental institute for five years before there was good care around mental institutions, before yeah. there was any kind of structure. So he said all day long, I was beaten by inmates. I was, had poop thrown at me that some of the workers were violent. They would attack the inmates who would then attack people that they knew wouldn't attack them. Like they would, uh, there was aggression towards me because people knew I would turn the other cheek because they knew it was my stance, all these different things. He said he was hell for five years. Um, and, and someone said to him, why did you do it? And he said, well, because I believe when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he meant it, which is incredible that, that someone holds that ethic. But what was most incredible to me was he finishes the interview by saying, But, you know, perhaps I could be wrong. And I was like, what the heck? Like, not only do you- No, you want
0: him to stand up for it. Yeah. It was totally worth it. To
1: hold an ethic that strongly and say, perhaps, like, that's just nuts. Like, that's so rare. That's what we tapped into earlier. Like, when you feel like you're defending God, you tend to become very, like, at times the worst version of humanity. Yeah, this is a guy that's defending the ethic of Jesus or, or arguing for the ethic of Jesus and he's like and, and perhaps I could be wrong like usually people don't do stuff like that for five years because they think they could be wrong they do it because they're certain that they're right um, yeah. and I think that that was really compelling to me like this ethic lands you in grey areas and being willing to say that my way of dealing with this ethic might be wrong and yours might be right for for someone who's in a relationship where where it feels like I'm not being treated right in this and saying, I feel like Jesus is asking me to stay. We have to have good conversations, but somewhere we have to have the humility to say, I might not know. Um, yeah. And then certainly when people say I'm supposed to leave, like even if you believe this ethic is saying you're supposed to stay, you got to look and say, yeah, I could easily be wrong. And, 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 I think that that grace is some of what Paul taps into. And I Um, think,
0: I think the, uh,
1: and let me just finish by saying like, for whatever reason, and I don't know what my ethic is. If someone comes to me and says, I'm in an abusive relationship, especially a physically abusive relationship, what should I do? I'm always going to say, you need to put yourself in a place where you're safe. And, And I don't know why necessarily based on this passage, but that's what I always say. Yeah. And perhaps I could be wrong. But that's what I always say.
0: Yeah, I think that th- it seems to be that the, the way of Jesus over and over and over again, the ethics of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the, the picture that Jesus paints of the kingdom of God is cognitively difficult to retain mm-hmm. in the mind in the context of a broken world. Mm-hmm. And it's just difficult. Like, yeah. if and if it feels super comfy then you should be a little bit skeptical of your theological frameworks yeah because it's probably it's it there is some counterintuitive natures uh, that that aren't going to just smack dab a line with your biological urges uh-huh with your um with the cultural norms uh-huh with all of these different things and so you're swimming upstream mentally, yeah. emotionally, physically. You're swimming upstream to engage the kingdom of God, and you that's are. that's. Um, so, so, so but, what's the advice that we can offer people?
1: So I think, yeah, and I think I think w- what we can say concretely is to take those specifically difficult examples we just talked about. A a response that you feel called to make might be to stay. A response you might feel called to make might be to remove yourself and to leave. But according to this ethic of Jesus, a good response is never to hit back. Um, Like that feels like when someone verbally abuses you, a response might be to remove yourself and to leave. A, A response might be to stay and take it, but a good response is never to attack back. Like it just seems like that's the core ethic. Like just like the revenge cycle just never works. Yeah, um, and,
0: and this is one of the reasons why I think Jesus consistently raises the banner of the greatest commandment, which is to uh-huh. love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That, and he, according to Jesus, that sums up the entire law. Yeah. Like, if you do these things, you win. Mm-hmm. Like, so, now we wish that that would then say, sub subsection C, in this scenario, this is the definition of what yeah, love yeah. is. But... uh let's just use this example of, of physical abuse. It may be unloving to stay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: you're perpetuating a cycle yeah. of destruction and pain and sorrow for the abuser, yes. just as much as to yourself. Yeah. It may be unloving to leave. Yeah. And so, but is it? it's a very difficult framework because it may have a different answer to the uh-huh. same outwardly appearing situation, but the, the command of Jesus would be, Let's let's talk about this. Let's prayer like so. Prayer, conversation with wise people, uh, the scriptures. These are the things that God says, and we're going to lean into trying to figure out how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and how to love your neighbor as yourself.
1: And and I think one of the things I just want to make sure that like we can acknowledge and say is quite often the ethics of Jesus have been wrestled with by white men who very rarely feel like they're in a place of vulnerability. Yeah. Like like my 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 level of nervousness around some of the things that Jesus talks about is pretty minor. Um because if I yeah. take his specifics, uh, I have resources that people can borrow. Are they endless? No, but no ones are. Uh, I have more than one jacket. And if someone asks me for it, I can give it. I'm able to walk a couple of miles without it being a problem. And I'm physically strong enough that if someone slaps me on one cheek, I can let them slap me on the other cheek. Like, like my vulnerability is pretty low. Um, and so I think that's part of the hard thing. Like, like that's part of why I think the church has done a good job of embracing other voices in this conversation rather than the traditional voices and saying, well, what, what's a woman's reading? Of turn the other cheek. How does that resonate? How does that feel? Um, what's what's a what what would what what's did it mean? For, what did sla- slave? What, what did slavery? And I actually was was ambivalent about using the word subjugation on on Sunday, even as a joke. But but I was like, this gets closest to what the text says. Yeah. But but like this was an invading force that was forcing people that they had put into involuntary servitude to go a mile with them and Jesus says, go a second one. Um, How do you hear that as an African whose family were brought in slavery to a Western nation? Like there's just so many voices to bring into those ethics. Um, And yet what is incredible is the number of individual stories there are of people who have been in some of those situations and says, this is what I felt Jesus was calling me to do. And this is the incredible story that came from it. Mm. I followed this ethic and it transformed something. And so I think that's my comfortable tension point. If you are in a relationship or in a situation and you feel like this ethic is demanding that you stay in it, I don't think you should feel that. If you feel like the voice of Jesus is asking you to step into something and confidently live in something, believing he redeems things, then I would never want to say, yeah. I, I would never want to, to say you're wrong.
0: Um, yeah, the voice of Jesus sounds like an invitation always. It's yeah. an invitation to life and purpose and meaning mm-hmm. that's that we can't even quantify in this world. And so if the voice sounds heavy, harsh, demanding, that's probably not the voice of Jesus. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I think to your point, yeah, it's occasionally he might invite you to do something extremely counterintuitive, extremely painful, but it's an invitation to something beautiful.
1: And and if you want to wrestle with that more, like from a different perspective, maybe the story of Hosea is a good story to read. Yeah, yeah. Um, a man who repeatedly goes back to a relationship with a woman who is constantly running off with other guys, constantly um, abusing him in a non-physical way. Yeah. And yet God is picturing something in the story. Wow. So, so the, there's, a again, a beautiful grayness to Jesus' ethics, a complication to Jesus' ethics, which is 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 incredible. But I think for and I said this before we started, like to me the the significant point of this ethic is Jesus teaches it and he models it.
0: All the way um, to the point of all death. All
1: the way point to the point of death. And and so that suggests to me, as his followers, we're not called just to teach it. We're called to model it. So next time you're in a restaurant, make sure there's a tip left.
0: <laughs> I don't know what
1: the, the <laughs> every takeaway is, but, but yeah. practically there's a...
0: Yeah, yeah. in Colossians, Paul says, I'm actually filling up what's lacking in Christ's sufferings." Yeah. And the only thing he can mean by that is that Jesus isn't physically present right now to show you what it's like to suffer for the sake of love. So I'm going to do it for him. It for you. And I want to show you what it's like to love so much that I'm willing to suffer for oh, it. And that's, man. The, that's the task that that Jesus has offered his church to show the world what love is like, a love that's so great, you can suffer
1: I feel like that's it. like a key text for so many pastors that I know. <laughs> wow. Well, there we go. We're, 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 we're an hour.
0: We are. We
1: we, we got to close off before it hits 12 o'clock. That's right. Right. Love you guys. Uh, great to be with you again. Like, subscribe, especially on Apple. Apparently, I've been told by someone that I was listening to the other day that yeah. like Apple special for some reason.
0: Yeah, Apple special. Uh,
1: but um, yeah. All right.
0: Thanks Catch a lot. You See you later. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can have a great day.